Get ready to tune in to stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. In this episode of the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast, I chat with the author of Letters from a Father, Alan Carter. This is an incredible book. Uh, aside from being an author, Alan is in private wealth management and works with high net worth investors. Based in, He's based in Chicago with one of the largest wealth management firms. This is a great conversation. We talk about doing hard things, gratitude, uh, all the lessons that uh, every kid should learn and quite frankly, every man should learn and implement right away. Alan, welcome to the show. So glad to be here, Scott. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. And we were chatting before I started pushing record, which is always the thing I should never do. I should always push record. Um, you, you reached out to me probably what a month, month and a half ago and said, Hey, I'd love to yeah. have a chat if, if I'm right for your podcast. And, um, I'm really glad I said yes. <laughs> Isn't it great when you say yes, the things that happen from that, by the way? <laughs> Good lesson. I think we have a lot of lessons to share. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I've been, uh, you sent, I asked you to send me a book or tell me where I could get it. I don't remember it was, but you were so gracious and you sent me a copy and I started to dive into it and realized, uh, holy cow, because it's not always every guest that wants to be on a podcast is not always a good fit. So you're just kind of mm. always wondering and, um, and it didn't take me long getting into your book. I'm like, okay, yeah, this guy's the real deal. And every, I didn't get all, I, like I said, I didn't read it all, but it's every time I got to another letter, cause it's broken up into letters. I was like, man, this guy gets it. He's written down all the things that I think about all the time. So of course, it's totally edifying to talk to somebody that agrees with me. Well, that's right. And like, it's, it was dangerous because we'll get in this echo chamber, but I do love the content that you've had yourself. And that's what led me to you initially, Scott, was just, yeah, the themes that you think about and that you talk about and your guests espouse are just so aligned with the things that I think about and love. So I appreciate yeah. that this came together this way. Well, yeah, it's, it's been fun already talking to you. So for our guest, um, Alan, we're just going to get this out right away. Alan has a book. It's Alan Carter, by the way, uh, Letters from a Father. And quite frankly, when I, when, when I saw that, I was like, okay, all right you know, he wrote letters to his kids and I'll read them. It did strike a little, um, a little heartstring because on one of my past podcasts and several of my podcasts, we've talked about Jeff Giosi, who was a father and, um, he was on my podcast right before he died. And he talked about two things. It was writing, it was legacy for his kids, but one, the main thing was writing letters to your kids, which you've done in a book. And then the other thing was how he wanted to die. And of course he died very shortly after that. So, it hit kind of the spot, like, I don't know if I would have found that interesting or not, but at this point I'm very interested because, um, because of that conversation. And so like, let's, let's kick it back a little bit. Your kids are now almost all out of the house, right? Just as of last week. Yes. Our youngest <laughs> headed off to college last week. So we are suddenly empty nesters and, uh, it feels really strange. <laughs> I gotta admit. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. I, 
I think it's so incredibly important for um, an audience, no matter what age, if you're younger to not discount this, I, you know, I'm 48, so I'm a little older probably than a, a lot of the guests I have on. And sometimes I feel like I'm can be speaking to a wall, <laughs> mostly because I'm speaking to a screen, but uh, the, to hear from people who have gone through the fire and the foraging of learning what it's, it means to be a husband first and then a, and then a, a father. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, I, I, I think it's pretty clear. You've been very successful in business, which is something I, I was endearing to me about you. And then, um, I just, I, I'm really looking forward to talking to you about this because I want to learn as much as I can, you know, even like talking about the kids leaving the home and that process, which we may not cover in this, but, um, it's all, it's always a gift to be able to, to have a conversation with somebody that's just a little bit further than we are. And uh, yeah, thank you, Scott. No, I look, I I'll be the first to tell you that I do not have any of the secrets and this, this letters book, and we can talk about how it came to be, but but just my effort as a father, you know, just like we all as fathers, we want to pour into our kids and we want to pass along the experiences that we have. So this came as a result of that. And uh, none of us are perfect. Thank God we're all forgiven, but we're not perfect. And if I could just cut down on some of the regrets and pass that along, and hopefully that'll be of some help and some use. Yeah, you, you may have heard me. I know you've listened to some of the podcasts, but really what drove me for, and I, I'm curious if you've had kind of this same experience. Um, I kind of felt angst or, mm. or like, um, like I was missing a calling or a gap because I had personally walked through some things that I don't want other men to walk through and mostly just mistakes in how I approached my career versus, um, my family and misaligned, misaligned efforts, which you actually have a letter in here about. And so, um, that's really what drew me to, I need to, I need, I'm called to do something to help other men younger than me pass through this a little more fluidly than me. I, you know, hopefully the ears are there. I'm sure there were, there were voices out there for me when I was that age, but um, yeah, I mean, is that kind of some of what's going, what was going on with the, with producing this book? Yeah, I'd say in a way, it's interesting just to back up a little bit. Um, years and years ago when our first kids entered their teenage years, I just came up with the idea of, of writing to them a letter just to, you know, add to the, the, our family conversations and just to maybe comment on some shared experiences. And it just got into be a habit in their teenage years. And I thought nothing of it, Scott. And the idea of putting it into a book was nowhere even near my mind. It was my father who actually got a hold of a few of these letters. And he and my mom, mother called me one day and just started, was crying and said, Hey son, these are great. You should really think about sharing these more broadly with the world. And he actually went through the process of getting a literary agent, starting me along those lines. And of course they've passed now, but years later, this is the result of my father's efforts and his encouragement to get this out there. So I guess I, what I want to say is none of this was meant to be where it is today. It's just sort of happened, frankly. 
And so I'm a little bit surprised by all this. You know, we're about three months into the book being in the world. And um, it's been an honor to talk to folks like you and, and have this book in the world. And I'm just thrilled to see that it's resonating with people. And um, that's encouraging because I think it just demonstrates to all of us that as fathers, we want to do everything we can. Right. And uh, if this sparks a conversation with a family or gives some thoughts to other fathers who are doing the best they can, then that's that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's really my initial thought was like, why do I want to read a father's letters to his kids? These are not my words. But what I found was these are like literally many life lessons just like a lot of them. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of really stellar life lessons and Hey, I'm not going to be shy about it. And I don't think you are. There's an absolute biblical foundation um, around a lot of the teachings. And you said in your book, um, you talk about that actually. And you said the role of God and faith-based values are highlighted throughout the letters and the stories from the Bible are used frequently. It is not my intent to voice religion upon people though the amount of wisdom and promise in the scriptures flat out cannot be ignored or glossed over. And that's really where I was like, yeah, like whether you believe it or not, there is so much wisdom and direction. It's like a life manual. It really is, man. It's so well said, Scott. And I think, look, some of these values that we talk about, um, they're timeless Uh, and they are in scripture. And the things we think about that, the words of Jesus. And I am unabashedly a born again Christian, but I recognize that some of these themes are, they cross all sorts of faiths. So this isn't a Christian book per se, but these values that uh, we're we're talking about right now are absolutely just interwoven in the history of the world and of humanity. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. We've had this conversation before about, you know, having a Christian faith and, and kind of following the Bible is just such clear direction, moral compass, a moral um, guidance. Uh, Our, our nation was founded basically on these principles. And I, it's, you cannot, no matter what your belief is, you cannot ignore the, the foundation that it provides. And you, you did a really good job kind of pulling them in and really talking about them. And they're kind of like the little anchor in almost every letter, right? There's, there's something, some sort of lesson. Did you do a lot of research or I, I, I one of the things while I, while I was reading this is like, man, like, does Alan know all of this from the top of his head or was he like <laughs> reading the Bible and something hit him and it hit, what was the process like? And, and like tying all this together, because that was really a concept I was trying to figure out, I was like, man, I don't know if I would like go and look up gratitude and find out where it was at and what it spoke about. Or, you know, if I were, uh, as I do read the Bible every single day, yeah, um, I think I just go from there. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's part of it is like you. I, I think the word of God is so powerful and it's such an amazing manual that we've been given. We've been given. So I don't ignore it. I'm in it every day like you are. And uh, it, you just get steeped in those things over time. So that's a lot of fun to have that sort of 
being steeped in the word. And then the second part is as we go through our life, and especially this father, you'll notice that the letters just sometimes pull out random experiences that we've, that I've had with my children and that all fathers and families have together. And just that process of connecting the dots to go from, oh, that just happened. And hey, that reminds me of this in the scripture. And then to pull together that life lesson. I think that's really powerful for a family to, to have that common thread and be able to kick that around together. So that's sort of how they evolved. That's really cool. How long, how long, what, what range, do you know how many years these letters represent? Let's see. So I would say we've got about um, nine years worth of letters and these are curated. So it's not the full body of it. So there's, there's 70 or so in the book. Those are curated. There's more on the outskirts of that. But these were the ones that we sort of selected might be a good sampling of them. Um, it's funny. You'll see in the book, if you read it, that I sort of um, stopped writing to my kids when they turned 20. My intent was just to have it during their teenage years. And yeah, my son complains still. He calls himself getting fired from the uh, things, but uh, I, I think, look, that it can be endless, the number of letters we write to our kids. That was just the, 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 the time I picked or the, the delineation mark I picked out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, what I, um, what I found when I was reading through is a lot of nodding my head. Yes. Internally or externally is like, wow, this is good. This is the way you worded some things. And, um, I mean, you, you go into gratitude, which, you know, most people know I'm very, uh, I learned that from John Gordon, who's another, who's another author and, yeah. um, ca- kind of copied his, his little routine. And I feel like I took it to the extreme a little bit, but, um, I kept like nodding my head. Yes. But there was also, I, I want to encourage, uh, men to pick this up. I, women too. I want to encourage them to pick it up because there's a lot of things in here that were actually challenging to me and my personal walk, my personal challenges right now. Mm. Uh, and, and so like, yeah, there's a lot in here to teach your kids, <laughs> but yeah, quite look, frankly, it's all for us too. I'll just, I'll pull on that for a second. Cause I think it's so important that as fathers and as families, we just understand that we're all going through this together. And some of the things that we're experiencing, sometimes we feel like we're on an Island, but the reality is that all families walk this difficult path about relationships and motivation and, how to get to goals and how to relate to each other and recognizing what's important with each other. And those are things that we all have to go through together. So, yeah, I love that. Um, there's something in here for everyone and there's a lot of commonality in what we experience. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things that I realized men just don't like to talk about a lot of those things that are a struggle Hey guys, this is Scott. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, but I did want to interrupt for just a second because I am super passionate about a new tool that I've found and been using for the last month or so. And if you're like me, the thought of writing copy puts me into cold sweats. But we all know that writing blogs, social media posts, web copy, ads, and more are part of life and can make a considerable impact on moving the needle to success in your business or job. We all know how difficult it can be to wrangle ideas, 
action words and details, not to mention time constraints. Fear not. I have found a solution that allow will allow you to easily crank out stunning copy in minutes. It's Jarvis, guys. It's probably hit your social media feed and you think it's too good to be true, but it is not. Jarvis is the latest artificial intelligence technology that will help you create content at lightning speed with little effort on your part or hefty fees for writers. You fill in two easy steps and it'll lay out descriptive paragraphs, both short and long-form articles, bullet lists, social media posts, blog posts, ad copy, SEO copy, Google ad copy. It gets super detailed. There are tons of templates to choose from. It's totally up to you. It's two steps, and it blows me away every time I use it. In fact, it just keeps getting better and better. So if you're like me, the thought and thought it was too good to be true, trust me. This product kicks ass. I literally use it every single day for personal and professional use. Just go try it for free and use my link. uh, And it's in the show notes. I'm not going to read it to you because it's crazy. But go to the show notes, click on the link, sign up for your free trial. You will never look back. And this is a great way to support this podcast. Super simple for you, for your business. Send it to your boss. Send it to your friends. It will revolutionize workflow. The link is in the podcast notes. And if you want to support the Brotherhood of Fatherhood, this is a great way. You've always been pretty open with your thoughts and feelings or was this a little... Like, was it, was it hard to say, I'm, I'm going to let these go out to the world? Yes, it really was. It really was. It's great. I've always, and my family would nod their heads. I've always tried to be the strong guy in the room and uh, sort of shelter some of those feelings. So uh, letting this into the world was a difficult decision for me. And I think for our family, if I'm going to be honest, yeah, because I did had to, I had to lay, lay bare some things that, uh, were for us and for our family. But I think, I think it was the right thing. I think it's opened my heart a little bit. And it's been, again, uh, fun to see in my own eyes that, hey, man, these struggles aren't just us. They're everyone. And there's some power in that, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. One of the most powerful things I have done as far as really kind of viewing into other people's lives is is my wife and I do some marriage courses through our church. We, we, we lead them. But um, what a lot of people don't see is all the, all the leaders of this, this marriage course, which is for anybody. It's not for just churchgoers. It's, it's for yeah. everyone. Cause I believe everybody needs to work on their marriage always um, was the fact that you have this group of leaders coming together and they are so authentic and they have shared their experiences. And you're like, you kind of have this reality moment of, uh, yeah, I'm not so messy. (laughs) Like everybody's life looks great until you peek behind the curtains a little bit. And it's, and it's really messy. I would imagine that's the way for, for most fathers, the way they, they operate, they feel like behind the curtain, they are a mess. Yeah, and that's why I think your work about the brotherhood of fatherhood is so powerful, Scott, because it just gives us all the recognition that, hey, there's messy stuff and let's support each other. Let's encourage each other. Let's you know, pray together. Let's read together. Let's study together. And uh, I think we're absolutely stronger by doing that. 
And sometimes that's not a natural thing for men, right? We want to be uh, solo. We want to be strong. We want to, but we're stronger together for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think there's just a lot of peace when you realize, and that's something that's happened within the Facebook group. Guys will kind of lay out there. This is what I'm struggling with. And I've been so incredibly amazed at the evolution. It's taken some time, but the evolution of responses are all helpful. They're not all perfect. And some of the help isn't awesome, but the heart is there. And so we worked really hard on cultivating this culture where it's okay to be struggling with something. And it's just become this, like, here's these men walking in with wisdom who have already experienced something. And I think that's something in our culture with men specifically, we need more of, and I'm sure it's a struggle for women too. But as men, we tend to be, like you said, protective, uh, very like everything's fine. Um, I have always struggled with that. I'm a, I'm a very emotive person. I like to share with people. I, I feel good when I'm talking about some of the things I'm going through. So right. it's different for some men. Um, let's, let's dive into your world a little bit. <laughs> Uh, I, I want to learn some things from you as a man whose kids are your last, your youngest just went off to college. Uh, what do you think was the hardest, and this might be a, a trick question, may not be a real answer, but what do you think is the hardest time frame of being a father for like a kid's age? What is, what was the most difficult for you? No, that's a great question. I think it's different for boys and girls. Oh. Um, you know, I joke that there's this sort of bell curve in terms of your perceived intelligence with your children. And, uh, you know, in general, you know, as the kids are really young, they perceive you as this hero, this almighty intellect, this, you know, great savior. And then as they get into their teenage years, your perceived intelligence drops off a cliff. Yeah. So by the time they're 16 or 17, you know, it's amazing to them that you can walk and chew gum simultaneously, right? So, and then as they get older, you know, in their 20s, they realize that, holy smokes, that guy actually knew what he was talking about. So I think, again, with boys and girls, that's a different curve on how it's, uh, how it's laid out. But no, I think it, it is different for those kids, for sure. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, actually super encouraging. I know this isn't rocket science. It's not something that's not talked about out there, but like, even for me as um, someone who has kids in their teens, and then most of the guys that I, I uh, work with are quite a bit younger. They have little kids. So right now they're, they are like the hero hero. They are the almighty, right? (laughs) Yeah, they, They absolutely are. And they, they're infallible even when they mess up. And here I am um, this year, my oldest is 17. My youngest is 13. And um, they both hit the same, the stage at the same time where I'm not cool. Like my 13 year old is, uh, you know, more advanced. I have boys, so I know it's different. And my 17 year old, but it's like on the same week, they're both like, Hey, can you and mom walk over there? If we're in the, in the store <laughs> somewhere, we're going to go over here. Or uh, literally after my, uh, my son's basketball game, the, uh, a couple of weeks ago, he's like, Hey dad, go stand over there. And we're just waiting for something. I'm like, man, that was like, that hit hard. But there's a lot of, like, to hear you say, I should have known this, but to hear you say, like, you come back around and you're in their 20s. Dude, that's encouraging. And and so you asked initially, Scott, you know, what's the toughest time? Look, that's tough for a dad to go from being best friend and being hero to being, you know, 
irrelevant is the wrong word, but you definitely oh, take step back, you know, in terms yeah. of that. So that's hard. And I think another thing to really note is, you know, you're, the, the impact of your words, when you have conversations with your teenagers, they may not, you may not perceive them as valuable in the moment, but I think you got to encourage dads is they're hearing you, right? And they're watching you. Even if you don't get instant feedback or gratification, they remember what you say and what you write in these letters. So uh, just that should encourage all these dads who are at this period of time, you know, managing teenagers, that is to keep up the good fight. Yeah. 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 You go from like, I'm, I, I'm so focused on this leadership thing and I want, you know, everything I say to have this profound impact on the rest of their life. And you go from from hero to zero really fast, but it's really encouraging to know that that's that cycle comes, it comes full circle. Hopefully if we're, if we're, you know, uh, respectful and honorable and doing the right things. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's talk about when you were writing these letters, I'm, I'm curious, was your wife involved at all? Did she have any input? Did you share them with her? Like, what was that? process like yeah 100 percent of my time of the time actually you know uh, i she was my chief editor and would give great feedback monthly so i would write a letter and then immediately surface it to my beautiful wife mary and she would uh you know give feedback and thoughts and comments and ideas so it was super helpful to have her rowing the boat uh as part of it and also have her as part of the family conversation around each letter. So yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. How did you present the letters to the kids the first time around? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, this, I get this question a lot is, is how did your kids react right to these? Yeah, right. And you know, it's, I would encourage fathers who try this too, is not to expect an initial reaction. You know, sometimes you feel like you're just talking into the void and you're not getting feedback. So sometimes I'd get instant feedback. Sometimes I get nothing for a long time and it would come up sometimes a year plus later, but I knew that they were listening. I knew they were hearing me and uh, that's what was important. And uh, yeah. And look, these kids are doing great. And um, I just think that the effort that was put forth, um, they recognize that as they do with all of us, you know, fathers who just try, that's half the battle, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I always wondered about that. There's these, these guys that have these really big movements, like, Mm -hmm. you know, about, um, I think of like a Ryan Mickler order a man who, you know, has, has this large, very, very large following. And he talks about his son and his family all the time. And I wonder like, how do his kids see him? I think if they see him, like they would see any dad, whether or not. And then I had this realization of, you know, you walk into my office and it's brotherhood of fatherhood, brotherhood of fatherhood. And I literally went in this thing, like, man, do my kids think, I wonder what they think about that. Like, is my dad worthy of leading this? I'll never know. I, I probably won't know until they're adults, you know? Um, but it, I, I think every dad thinks like, am I doing a good job? I think that's a pretty common thing that we go through. hundred percent. I think you just touched on a really good point back to us sharing this journey together. That's so important. 
important. And I think as I think about my own children's experience, I think they really loved it when I was open and honest and shared my own faults and shortcomings. I think that was huge. And I think my default was, and maybe a lot of fathers defaults were to be this stoic, you know, personality, not admitting weakness, you know, can't let them see me cry, so to speak. And I think the opposite is probably true. I think at least for us and our family, I think our kids really valued my own weaknesses and my own recognition of that and my reliance on God to get us all and me through. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, something really stuck out to me. Um, one of your, your letters, uh, and I wish I could pull it up right now, but it was, you talked about work, you talked about the grind. Um, you know, my story is when my first son was born, I started a business as well as as full-time educator. Mm. And, um, you know, I just worked. That's all I did. I, you know, I'd leave at four, four 30 in the morning and come home at nine 30. And, um, I, it, it's a very, very regretful time, but really quite honestly, I'm seeing it as a gift as a way to help other men not do that. Um, what you're, you, you know, you've had a successful career, what has that journey been like for you, you know, putting in the time? And then I want you to talk a little bit about, um, you know, success and uh, what really is the measure of success. Cause you talk, you talk about that in a few letters as well. No, it's great. And uh, that's a big question because I think I've evolved as all fathers do um, as I've matured and my, my, what I value now, I think, is different than what I valued when I wrote a few of these letters, especially earlier on. But I'll start by saying that, yeah, I absolutely have regrets, honest regrets about the amount of time I spent working. And my defense of that, I think a lot of fathers' defense of that, Scott, is all about, hey, the best way I can provide for my family is to earn an income to support our lifestyle. And to be honest with you, that's punting on the issue, right? I think the best way we can support our families as fathers is to be hyper-engaged with them rather than going off to support them financially. Now, granted, we have to do both, right? And we have to do both well. But having that open conversation and dialogue with our families around those things, I think, is the key. And the other thing that you talked about this grind is, is yeah, I mean, this is to get to any goal. It's going to require a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And a lot of the letters that you'll see in this book are all about achieving goals, achieving what we want in life, you know, what it takes to be successful, no matter how you define that. And a lot of that stuff is scriptural. I mean, the, the growth mindset that you talk about so frequently in the podcast and, you know, the opportunities we have and the, the belief that we can achieve what we want. Those things are biblical too. I mean, Jesus yeah. talks a lot about prayers and belief and whatever you ask for when you pray, believe that you received it. Now, uh, all that stuff is packed into the Bible and packed into a, the things that we want to impart to our children. I know that's a long rambling answer, but that's all in this book. And it's all things that fathers need to address with their kids. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, lot of different directions we can go from that because I think 
a lot of the lessons in here that have really derived from the Bible. I mean, the, the letters you write with the lessons involved, um, when we've seen the breakdown of some of that, we have reaped some really uh, negative cultural norms. You know, yeah. we talk about, um, what is it? The, uh, the millennials, right? We have this, we're, we're so broad with the millennials, but the millennials, you know, given too much and this, 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 uh, this entitlement type of thing. Well, if we would have been paying attention to the lessons in the Bible, I think we would have avoided that whole thing. Not that it's the end of the world and, you know, people can grow out of that and learn, but it, it definitely does have an impact when we veer away. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's so true. And I think we have to recognize too, no, no matter what generation we're talking about, that you know, what people value shifts over time and what people value is different. You know, my earlier values of uh, financial and business success are different now than my values are around, uh, you know, being a great husband and being present with people, being a great friend. Those have, those are greater on my hierarchy now than the other things. Um, but no, it's an interesting thread to pull on. I just one thing I'll mention is I don't know if you got to the letter yet about the New Year's Day letter. So I'll just share this with you quickly because I think it speaks to the grind and success and all those things. But one year it was New Year's Day morning and my daughter and I, my eldest, decided we're going to go to the gym early. So we left the house at like 7.15 saying we're going to get a jump on the world. Everyone else is in bed. They're hungover. They're been out celebrating the whole night. So here we go. And I remember when we arrived in the parking lot of the gym, it was empty, save for a Bentley, beautiful car. And here comes this guy who had already showered, had his gym bag. He was hopping in this Bentley, pulling away, having obviously already worked out, showered and heading off to work. So at the time, you know, that was a great lesson for my daughter, Claire and I about what it takes to be successful and the level of commitment necessary to achieve goals. But now as I reflect on it, there's also other dynamics that might be going on. Maybe this guy was lonely. Maybe he, that was the only thing he valued in his life was monetary success. So there's a lot that I can go back to now. And I think that we all can go back to as we mature and grow as fathers and family men about the different lessons that are taken away from experiences that we all have. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, kind of the grind, the balance. Um, you know, I, like I said, I was, I was away with um, other business owners, entrepreneurs this weekend on a, what we call mastermind where we get together, we plan and we, we uh, actually took time to execute and work together and on some big projects for our businesses. Um, they have little kids and I, I just was kind of sitting there thinking, um, you know, like putting myself in their heads because at that age with my kids, I would have stayed there all week and worked all week to move, move the needle. Looking back, I have some perspective on, you know, the so-called balance. Um, what is your perspective? Like, 
what kind of words of encouragement or guidance would you give somebody who's really trying to make something work, but it's going to take a lot of time? Like, I mean, what? Yeah, I think, um, and, and we talked about the acronym you have for father. Mm-hmm. I, think that, I think that everyone needs to have sort of a set of values that they adhere to, to create a lifestyle they're comfortable with and create a roadmap for their own success. You know, I have a letter around that about what that is for me, but everything's different. I believe, and I know you do too, that we've got to start with faith, right? I think we've got to start with that deep relationship with our creator and that belief that he knows best and he has a perfect plan for our lives. I think if you start with that and you meditate on that and pray about that, everything naturally falls in place. I think second to that for me is my family and a lot of the people who listen to your podcast and believe the things that we believe, they would probably put that way up in the stack rank also, is that family. Third from that for me is supporting my family through my business. And then fitness is also for me, you as well too, Scott, I know. So you have this framework and you allow your life to fit into those buckets. I think that helps to create balance among all the stresses and input inputs that we have to sift through as fathers and as family men. Yeah, it's, that's a good answer. We just had this conversation with someone else about um, kind of making sure you define your values, but then using that as your North star always, Hmm. always like, okay, I want to do this. And then plugging it into the values, like looking through your value. Does it fit? Does it fit completely? If it fits only partially, then it's probably not something we need to be putting effort into. So, um, I respect that. So you, you have, you have your faith and then tell me about your kind of value ladder. That's the way I speak about it. The value ladder. What's your order? I think you just kind of said it, but go ahead and repeat. No, it's a, there's a, there's a letter. I think it's called F6. So it goes through the, the F's that are in there. So faith is there. Family is there. Fitness is there. Fun is in there. Oh, that's good. You know, we have to, we're really called to, to have some, some rest and some play and some fun in our life. And God knows our kids need it, right? They need right. that recreation with their dads and with their family. So that's in there. So those things all fit within that framework. And I mentioned too, I wrote a letter that um, was really about achieving goals. And I'll just share with you the story quickly. So I live in Chicago as you know, Scott, and uh, we live on Lake Michigan, and I love to sail. And the sail from the Illinois side to uh, across to the Michigan side, you know, ranges from 40 to 60 or so miles from Chicago. And I was bringing a racing sailboat across from Michigan to Illinois in the very early part of May. And Lake Michigan is a big and powerful body of water. And in early May, in the middle of the lake, the lake temperature is about 38 degrees Fahrenheit. It is cold. It is difficult. And it can be a very dangerous piece of water. This boat's about 43 feet or so in in length. It's a powerful boat with a big sail plan. We had some very rough, stormy weathers with 11-foot seas. But, you know, we set that course of that boat. And we use the tools, the navigation systems, and the autopilot. And, you know, that boat was heading right to where we wanted it to go. 
despite the wind and the weather and being buffeted. And, you know, that's a lot of what we're talking about now. And, you know, that applies to hitting any of life's goals. We've got to track and recognize that the end, that North Star is going to happen because of the systems we put in place. But what we're talking about now is the same thing. If we have a good set of values that we cling to, even though we get buffeted around by competing you know, priorities or asks or things that rush in front of us or the next shiny red light on our screens, if we have those, those values, then we're going we're gonna to cling to those and that's going to get us through just about anything. Yeah, that's really good. I love sailing. Um, Do you? I don't know that. No, I don't. I haven't been sailing, but oh, I love okay. the analogies. No, I my my actually my um, my uncle was big into sailing, and I just never had the opportunity. But I I really actually think it would be quite uh, invigorating. <laughs> Going across mid thirty degree waters sounds if. Like, look, people talk about cold immersion, how great it is for you, right? And I'm, I, I'm trying to do the cold shower thing, and I'm thinking 38 degrees, that is crazy cold. Have you ever fallen in when you've been doing sailing? Knock on wood, I haven't, thank God. We have had some interesting man overboard situations on their boats I've been racing on, but uh, I haven't personally done it. I, I'm like you, man. I, give me a warm shower all the time. <laughs> that cold stuff is tough for me. I'm doing it. I'm doing it because it's hard and I need to do it. And it's really hard for me, but I start warm. I just end cold. But um, yeah. Uh, how long have you been sailing? Almost my whole life. I, really? When I was eight years old, my father showed up with one of those old station wagons, you know, as big as half of your living room. And that how to the back of that thing was a little sunfish, which is a 14 foot little sailboat. And I just, my eyes lit up and from eight years old till now, I just can't stop thinking about it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask a, a challenging question to you. Has there ever been a time when it has, you have been too into it at the cost of some family time? Uh, in fact, before I was married, my then soon to be wife dumped me for a summer because of it. So uh, <laughs> she told me quickly what was important. Thank God she was patient enough to help me get through that on my own. So um, I, I don't think so. Back to what you were saying, though, in, in, in all seriousness, I think I've been able to, and I hope my family would agree. We'll see when this podcast is released. Um, I think I've been able to keep it in perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I think perspective is a really important thing to do as a, as a father. I think as a man, as a young man trying to forge your, you know, who you are and, and, plant your flag in the ground. Um, it can be really easy and to overdo it. And, and yeah. identity gets a little askew, right? Like your identity is in what you do instead of the more important things. Um, oh, that's so true, Scott. And I think men especially can fall prey to um, their identities. Yeah. Now, if you ask someone, tell me about yourself, you know, frequently a mid-career man will say, well, I'm so-and-so and I, this is what I do. And that's their identity. Um, you know, I'm 55 now and you're in your 40s. So, you know, thankfully that'll shift. And uh, uh, that's important as we mature to recognize those things around identity. Yeah. I mean, it really, really hit me probably 
two years ago, two and a half years ago, it really, I really realized why there was so much dissonance in my head and so much struggle around when I get with other people who I saw as successful and why that wasn't like, why, why it would make me feel weird and insignificant as opposed to encouraged and um, excited about the possibilities at 48. I'm still, still find myself like when someone's, you know, says, tell me about yourself. It's, it's work or, or the business I own. And it's, I think it's an, an ongoing challenge for many, many people where really I'm way more interested in being the husband that I am and yeah. the father that I am and the impact I have on other people I know. Um, and that's not an easy shift. I think it's a, it's a tough one. It's so tough. It really is. And of course at the, at the, at, you know, the bottom line, of course, is we're just, you know, we're the masterpieces of God, right? He created us in his image and likeness, and he has a purpose for us. And I think the real answer probably should be is, this is just for me, is, hey, how can I best serve him? You know, that's what I really want to do. And if that's in the moment, trying to be a great father and a great husband, then that's our highest calling, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. A very early podcast guest of mine was uh, a man that I really respect his wisdom. Uh, his name is Rick Loy. And he came on and he was talking about, he did, he does some really cool things. In fact, he's really been on my mind lately that he told me a conversation. He gets together with his boys every year for a Cowboys game and they're grown and um, they all live in Tennessee. I think they're, they're spread out, but uh, he says, we ask three questions and we have to honestly answer it every single year. How's your heart? How's your head? And how's your home? I'm like, mm. oh, that's so profound. One, something that's really stuck with me that I think is we need to have people in our lives asking us, right? Yeah, I love that. I'm going to write that down. That's <laughs> you should. a great way to be introspective around that and right. to be able to share that with other men and other people who can hold you accountable. Yeah. Um, I love that. That's yeah. great. He's a very wise man. Um, the other thing he told me is he said, like when we were talking about identity, he said, you know, I found real freedom when I shifted from who I am to whose I am. He said, I am here to serve a bigger God. And when I got that in my head, it created freedom because he really was also misaligned with identity and um, that's another thing that just really, 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 really resonates in my head. And I, I ask that a lot because it's still a little bit of an anomaly to me. Like it's still, like still grasping what that actually means. I, I understand it from his perspective. I just, you know, we have to really, I have to really work to, to believe it maybe, um, not to believe it, but to be it and to, to not get swayed off of, of course, yeah, no, I'm reflecting. I've been reading um, Psalms recently. And of course, we all know the story of David. And, uh, but his writings are all about whose he is rather than who he is. So I think that's really great. And that's uh, a great thought. And uh, yeah, Psalms reflects that, I think, really well. Yeah, it does. I, uh, I read that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... Uh, we talked about career. Um, let's talk about going through rough things and how you, you, how did you use your letters to kind of form um, resilience, 
with, with your kids or do, do you have, I, I'm pretty sure I read some things about, you know, some of these like doing hard things and facing hard times. Um, so let's talk about that and, and your approach to when you're, when you're raising your kids, when, when things would get tough. Yeah. And look, uh, it's, it's family stuff and fatherhood is tough. I mean, it really is. I'll just, I'll pick on my youngest, Emma, just for a minute. There's uh, there's a lot of letters in the book that address her. She is, she plays a game called squash, which is an indoor racket sport. Some of your listeners may know, some not. It's, it's sort of akin to racquetball, um, but it's much more challenging. And this girl poured her blood, sweat, and tears into that sport for years and years and reached, you know, the top 10 in the country at it. But as a father, you know, I saw this unrelenting pain and suffering that went into her climb. Um, And sometimes I would just get so frustrated because it just was never seemed to be rewarded. Now I watched her just suffering and her effort and her relentless striving for more and to have that unrewarded by either her total losing all the time in matches or getting injured. And I think that, you know, the pain we go through when we see our kids really, really trying and not being rewarded for their efforts, that is hard. It is so hard. And of course, the end of the day, you know, she now is playing for a wonderful school. She just joined the college squash team at the University of Pennsylvania, and she's excited and we're excited for her. So it was rewarded. But Scott, that took 10 years of toil and effort. So back to your question, I mean, these are really hard things. And as a dad, we've got to navigate these hard things with our kids. I think that's where empathy comes in, right? And just walking that road together with them and just that listening and that understanding and that presence, just being present with them and suffering with them, even if it's not physically. Uh, That's so meaningful, I think, to our children. Even if they don't give you that feedback in the moment, or even if they push you away or say things that you just can't believe they said, um, those are the moments where we earn our stripes as a dad. Super, super hard. Mm. Um, I pray every morning. I, I, I go through my gratitude and then I go through personal prayers and I, I pray for my boys each individually. And it is really hard, really hard because I actually ask God that they face hard things and they learn from those things. And it is really, really difficult to say that prayer because we don't want our kids to go through pain. But I'm thinking of all of the times when um, uh, the situations where I've protected them and how that has, there's, it has not served them at all. You know, protecting them has, has basically shielding them from the reality of what they're going to face when I'm not there to put my armor or, inject my, my perspective or whatever. And, um, I've, I'm learning to listen and, and, um, help navigate without interjecting. <laughs> it's really hard. It we don't is want to so hard, man, because yeah. we want to shelter our kids, right? That's our natural instinct is to be protectors. But I mean, I think you and I know 
and heck, this is all through scripture, that character is only forged in through hardship and challenge and darkness and struggle. I mean, that's the only way that character is built. And, you know, the old analogy about how a diamond is formed, right? That's so true. It's very trite, but it only happens that way. And sometimes the only thing we can do is get on our knees and pray them through it and let them know we're there for them as they suffer and build their own futures. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it's the reminder of, I want my kids to go through hard things, uh, while they're in my household. So at least I can help guide them and be, a, you know, be a shoulder or, or an ear. But um, because if we, if we protect them before then, they're going to go away to college and they're going to experience those pain without somebody right there with them. And who knows um, what, what way they'll turn, which is a really interesting thing. I mean, a lot of times they'll turn to things that aren't, um, are not the right choice for comfort because they haven't built in uh, systems or watched or walked through it with anybody to understand the best way to handle things. So the, as much as we want to protect, we're, we're actually doing harm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's counterintuitive at first, but, uh, you're exactly right. So, um, <laughs> I was, I was, cause I didn't get a chance to read every letter, but I was at the kind of towards the end. I wanted to make sure I kind of caught all the different, um, all the different themes. I am going to read it because I'm absolutely fascinated with the book. I, <laughs> yeah, I, like, I don't know where you're going, but let's hear it. No, no, no. I got, I have, I have highlights in here and, and to get me to highlight a book is a pretty big deal. But I was, I was reading this. I started reading this. I'm like, Hey babe, you know, in the bedroom, she's reading over in the other side I'm reading. And I'm like, I need a highlight, <laughs> which is a good sign. Um, but yeah, no, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And I, I, I do want to say this uh, from the bottom of my heart and knowing that you have mo- no monetary gain in this as well, it actually makes it even more um, authentic. I believe every man should own a copy of this and read it. Mm-hmm. That's um, kind of these guys. Yeah. But at the end, <laughs> uh, you, you talk about, you actually write a letter about the media, about on, on, you know, like the, what's feeding the mind. Um, do you remember what, what, what kind of caused you to, to write about that? I mean, right now I feel like we, we have a very, very volatile media that is, you even said in there, you know, it's for money and, and bad things sell and drama sells. Do you remember like what was going on in the world at that point? I don't exactly remember. I can tell you though, that um, you and I are, probably exactly like-minded on the noise that we just are bombarded with from the media and how almost a hundred percent of the time that is negative. Yeah. And the damage that can cause when we let that in is just, it can't be, can't be overstated. It really can't be Scott. So especially for our kids and of course they, that they not only have the news media and those outlets, but the, they have the social media that they're all just so attached to and engage with. And that becomes just really damaging echo chambers. So yeah, I feel for the kids of today and for my own family and for all our kids that, man, it's just, we've got to do what we can to at least shine a light on this phenomenon. And uh, I'm thrilled that you picked up on that and recognize that too. 
yeah, it's, it's, I think it's like a disorder. It's like a disease, honestly. Um, I, I shut it out. I I don't, we haven't had cable TV in our life forever, but there is now the streaming TV, which don't have to deal with commercials or news. But when my in-laws come over, they just have the TV on and the news runs. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is just pure garbage. Whether you believe what they're saying or not is not what matters. What matters is the fact that it's all focused on negativity and gloom and doom and um, really just highlighting all the bad things that going on. So I've, I've done this massive scrub, like, you know, your phone, it's every attempt in the world for whoever's running this phone to send you, to send you news. It's an app that's built in. It's high notifications that are built in. Um, I have spent countless hours turning everything off on my phone. I finally had it to a point where it was like, I'm not getting updates because I was with my dad a while back and he's like, oh my gosh, the news. And I'm like, dad, stop consuming the news. He's like, I don't. Like, You're reading it on your phone. And, um, and, but what I realized is how much effort, how much intentional, straight up effort it took for me to take this thing and tell it to stop sending me things. And, um, and then, then there's social media. And I use social media for business and I use it for brotherhood of fatherhood. It's a necessary evil. And all of a sudden social media started popping these things in with all these news highlights. I'm like, you can tell it, hide it, hide it. I was hiding it. I was turning it off every single day and it kept coming back. And I'm I'm like, this is insanity. They're doing, they being, I guess, because it's profitable, the news, the media is doing everything in their, in their power to infiltrate our lives. Um, how do you feel your kids? Did they take that message? Do you feel like they've embraced that? Look, it's tough for them, right? Because their social fabric is really knit in with social media. So I think it's tougher for their generation than ours. And, you know, they may not recognize yet uh, that that's all about money. And uh, you and I can, we can draw that line. But I think that part of it is I had to impart that right? I had to sort of walk them through here. Why? Why is this the way it is? Not only do you have to filter the negative out of your life, but you have to recognize the impetus behind things. And I think uh, that was critical to that particular letter. And I think that that was helpful to them. I'd like to think it was, um, and maybe give them some things to think about as tools to defend, defend themselves against, um, against all that. Yeah. Yeah. I I was, I was really impressed that you put that in there even, you know, years ago, I'm, I'm sure, because um, it's so, it's been so prevalent for so long. There's no longer just the news. Um, it's, it's now an agenda to sell ad time space or whatever it is, or to support a company. So they support you. I don't even know how it works. I don't think I want to know. Um, so let's dive a little bit into the life of, of Alan. Uh, you, you have all these, I mean, we do have a lot of things in alignment. So I want to know how you operate. I mean, are you an early get up guy and do some routines? Let's hear about like how you keep yourself sharp in mind and in body. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, you'll see a few letters about self-discipline and the power. I think that that is able to impart to all of our characters. So I, I probably have lived like that maybe too much so um, in a lot of my life. So absolutely, I'm an early riser. I am goal-driven to a fault. 
I'm a list maker and a box checker. So all those things, I consider myself type A. So vacation, for example, would consist of, you know, 15 things on a to-do list daily, which <laughs> drives my wife uh, up a tree. But all those things are in my DNA. Mm -hmm. And um, like we said earlier, too, things change and we all mature over time. And I can recognize the downside of all that. Um, and so I'm starting to value my sleep more these days than I used to be. But all the things uh, that uh, you mentioned and I mentioned were probably similar a little bit, Scott, in those regards around fitness too. That's a, that's a big part of my life. What do you do to stay fit? The question is, what don't I do? Okay. Uh, that's a lot. CrossFit scares me a little bit. We'll have to have a separate conversation <laughs> offline just because I'm terrified of injuring myself. But uh, I do love the Murph workout. Oh, you do? It's a great one. Yeah. I do that. I did it for a whole year. I did it every Sunday. No way. I throttle. You are hardcore. <laughs> I love that stuff. I really, really do. So yeah, that's the extent of my uh, CrossFit stuff, but I do about everything else. So for anybody who doesn't know, Murph, is a, it starts with a mile run. And then depending on your belief on how you do it, you basically end up doing 300 squats Let's make sure I get this right. 300 squats, 200 push-ups, yep. and 100 pull-ups. Yep. And then you run another mile. And I've done Murph. For time. For time. For time. Yeah. This isn't just, you know, take your day and do this. This is for time. I've, I've done Murph probably four or five times. Um, I'm not an extraordinary writer or runner as I, I love to blame on my height, <laughs> but I think it's just not in my nature to be an awesome runner. But um I love and you would agree that that second mile is a lot less strong than the first mile after. Oh all. my <laughs> goodness. Yeah. So you are, you are, you are kind of glutton for punishment. Yeah. We, we, we will have to have a talk with, uh, about CrossFit, but last week I went into a workout without stretch. I'm 48. So I'm, I'm around and getting close to that 50 age and things are changing. I went into a workout and I was doing weighted lunges, double kettlebell weighted lunges, um, second rep literally went down, heard a very audible snap and thought that my kettlebell in my hand had exploded and exploded on my leg. Cause like how in the world that happened, you know, I'm on the ground and writhing pain and basically just, um, thank goodness only, uh, tore my quad muscle, like completely oh. tore it. I thought it was going to be something way worse. I thought I was going to go into surgery that audible, by the, by the way, that audible popping sound in your body is not yeah, you don't want to do that again. I never want to hear that. Thank you very much. But, uh, yeah, but um, that's awesome. So you do hard things. You, you, you obviously sail and it sounds like you kind of get into the competitive aspect of sailing, which I know is physically demanding. It is. I think, look, I think hard things are important to do. I mean, we touched on it earlier, right? The, about, you know, how you build a diamond and how you forge character. I think hard things are really important. I, I guess off topic a bit, you know, why, historically, if you look at sort of us as human beings, it's only been in the last hundred years or so where things have gotten pretty cushy, yeah. right? And so our, our, the lives of he, the average human has really changed. And I think um, we've lost something from that. I think, you know, not to say we've gotten soft in a bad way, but I think instilling challenges into our lives breeds character. And yeah. I think physical challenges is something that everybody can instill into their lives. Huge benefits for that. 
not only physically in terms of our health, but also our mental wellness, um, the way we're able to operate under pressure, the way we're willing to build our stick to and the way we're able to sharpen our skill sets, those are all come from putting challenges in our lives. And in the physical realm, those translate into the mental realm. So I think that's part of the things I think about around fitness and, and, and physical wellness. Uh, that's all baked in there. I, I bet it is for you too, Scott. Yeah, probably a little bit. Um, so what other routines, I mean, you talked about reading the Bible. Do you read every day? What other things do you do regularly that you think any, every man should do? I think think praying together with your wife, it's tougher for the kids, right? To build, but I think some regular prayer time with our wives or married is huge. I think having a men's group like you espouse is also huge. I mean, I think those are big things that all of us should have in our lives. I really do, Scott. We just can learn so much from each other as men. And of course, you know, the verse is iron sharpens iron. So when another man sharpens one another, I mean, those are huge. Yeah. And I think God will honor us, our prayer with our spouses big time. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. That's uh, not one I think about much. And I, I do um, make an effort to do that, but I think that's something I need to be a little more consistent with. All right. A few more questions. Um, you know, having gone through all the stages with your kids, what, how did you find the most, uh, the most engaging when it, was it vacations when you could really engage the most with your, with the kids? Was it sports? Like, what was the most successful way to you really connect with your kids? Yeah, I have to say it's episodic and it has to be on their terms. Right? <laughs> Cause sometimes I think as dads, we try to create moments whether it's through vacations or tonight's family night, right? We're going to do this. And uh, with kids, especially teenagers, it has to be on their terms. So I think we just have to be receptive. We have to listen hard. We have to look for opportunities as they're presented. And uh, we have to pull threads on experiences. We talked about how this book is sort of, a lot of these letters come from shared experiences. And I think, um, that's really important just to key in on those and uh, exploits a non-married word, but maybe take advantage of those experiences for these moments that can be really meaningful for our families. Yeah. It's, it's, boy, I could talk a while about fabricating experiences. A lot of dads pushing their kids into things that, you know, because huh. they kind of fabricated an experience that they wish they would have had. Very common. Yeah, it's exactly right. Dangerous, very dangerous as well. Um, yeah. All right. Before I ask the last question, I want to, I want to ask, um, well, man, I lost it. Shoot. But, uh, I, I want to make sure that you talk about your book, like the title where people can get it. And then, you know, the why. Yeah. So important. Thanks, Scott. Well, again, as you mentioned, you know, none of this comes back to me monetarily. It's all for charity. So, and I'd be thrilled if, this resonates with anybody. You can find it on Amazon or any bookseller. You just search uh, Letters from a Father, Alan Carter on Amazon. It'll pop up. And uh, yeah, I'd be delighted to, if anyone wants just to drop me a note, I'll send them an autographed copy as well. If they'd like yeah, That's, that. awesome. that's yeah, awesome. So thank you for that. Yeah, sure. uh, it's great. It really, really is. It's, it's easy to read, but more importantly, it's 
really impactful. There's like, I, it's, it's kind of like, you know, these things, you know, I focus on them a lot. I think about them a lot. I talk about them a lot, but there was still a lot of aha moments, even in the concepts that I feel like I have kind of dialed as part of my message. I was like, Oh yeah. Wow. So I, I just, you know, that we always have a room to, to learn. So no one's arrived. <laughs> Amen. Right. Yeah. Amen. And that recognition is huge, right? We're all a work in progress for Absolutely. sure. And uh, I think that's, it's important for all of us to understand that. Yeah. yeah. All right. So the question I ask everybody um, is their last question. And uh, I'm sure I've missed a few, but very consistent now is after you pass away, if you were to be able to look back on your kids and, and um, be able to say they are living a legacy that I was able to pass along, what would that look like? Well, I think about that a lot, right? And uh, part of me, I'm so grateful to be able to have this book because it's my legacy, it's to a legacy. Um, which I'm so grateful for. And I'd encourage all fathers to think about that. But for the kids, I think, the first thing that pops to mind is faith, you know, that they've learned that their relationship with God is the most, the single most important thing. The second thing, Scott, is to recognize that, hey, um, they can do anything that they want to do in their lives. Excuse me. One second, Scott, excuse me. No problem. Scott. Um, Sorry about that, Scott. They've taken this room so away, so... That's getting cool. hunted. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Perfect timing. So yeah, so you were you were saying, um, shoot, they their faith was the main. Yeah, faith is number one, and then the, the final thing is just the recognition that they can do anything in life, yep. and the encouragement for them to pursue that. Yep. Right, anything in one they, life they want to do, they can. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, put in the work. <laughs> you, you gotta put in the work. Yeah. It, nothing is free, right? Yeah. For sure. Well, Alan, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being a guest. Thank you, Scott. What a, what a privilege to be with you and your listeners and uh, thrilled we got to do this. And I hope we can do it again. Yeah, I think we can. Have a good, have a good one. All right. Blessings to you. Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.